Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast, SCC Jack Rabbit Edition. Nathan Stacken here, pleased to be joining you here. Uh, you know, we don't do a whole lot. Whoa. You break something as you're doing this podcast, and it's one of those weird stress dolls. It's been a stressful week. But you know what's it's probably more stressful for? The Jackrabbit football team. They're in the playoffs now. This is where, you know, you lose, you're done. Your season's over. Um, though they're playing Duquesne this week, so no offense to the Dukes of Duquesne. But I don't really see it being that much of a contest, to be perfectly uh, real with you here. Uh, kickoff, 2 o'clock, Dana J. Dykehouse Stadium. It's going to be cold. Uh, could be some snow. I, honestly, more people are going to be attending the basketball game, uh, the, the the U.S. Bank Classic. The Jackrabbits will be in Minneapolis. The men's basketball team, they're going to be uh, playing University of Northern Iowa. Uh, it should be a great game. Uh, there are four games total in this event. I think it's going over two days here, Friday and Saturday. Uh, two Wisconsin D2 or D3 schools going up against one another. Minnesota and Oklahoma State are playing one another. So that should be interesting. Then North Dakota State and Drake. So a definite a regional feel to this and Oklahoma State. Really weird. I don't... Uh, we don't get it. But... Uh, that's what it is. But anyway, you know, so you have the football game down at Brookings, and you know the attendance has obviously gone down considerably uh, at, as we go into November, and that's what happens. You know, with outdoor football, and you got you know hunting and and holiday stuff that goes around and everything. So, I mean, let's be real here. There's a I mean, there's just not going to be a lot of people at this game. There's going to be more people at the at the U.S. Bank Stadium to watch basketball, uh, even though it's at two different different two different times. I think the Jackrabbit men's game is at eight o'clock, and the the football game is at two. But you know, if you can't, if it's bad weather, how much uh, how many people are going to be able to come up from Sioux Falls? Let's say. Um, hopefully, there's a, a pretty good attendance. I'm gonna if if they got ten thousand, I'd be shocked. Um, probably looking at anywhere between five, maybe, you know, if, hopefully they can get at least 5,000 there. I mean, fingers crossed anyway. But listen, SDSU has had a phenomenal year, uh, on the football field this year. It's, it's really been a surprise, I think, to many, probably no one in that locker room, but certainly that the Jackrabbits have seemed like to, to just stay, if not picked up, where they left off last year, losing the likes of Jake Wenicke and Dallas Goddard. I mean, this team is, Taron Christian has played very well this year. A few too many turnovers here and there, but overall, he's played very well. Kay Johnson coming on um, wide receiver position. The defense has played well. Uh, you have Pierre Strong Ju- uh, Jr., a freshman running back. He's played outstanding over the last uh, few weeks. So this team is dangerous come uh you know come the playoffs they are on the diff- more difficult side of the bracket they are the five seed of course that means uh, you know who is number one north dakota state oh big surprise shock shock there um but the committee didn't ndsu no favors by putting sdsu on that side they put james madison on that side james madison unranked colgate's the eight seed they went through a stretch during the regular season i want to say it was like a month and a half or 
or almost two, or maybe it was over two months where they didn't give up a single touchdown. Now, granted, they play in the Patriot League, so the the caliber of uh, of games or the talent that you'll see, the, the the caliber of teams that you're going to see in the Patriot League compared to the Missouri Valley, night and day difference. It's just it it really is not even close. But with all that being said, uh, Colgate does present some challenges. They will host James Madison this week. We'll get the full FCS bracket. Here in general, but I, for SDSU, they're going to beat Duquesne, and it's just a matter of who are they going to play, Wofford or Kennesaw State. Kennesaw State's a relative unknown. They're the four seed. Last year, remember, the was it New Hampshire upset Central Arkansas, uh, and that allowed SDSU to have another home game before they ended up getting shellacked in that turnover-prone uh, turnover game against James Madison in the semifinals there. Ten turnovers? Ugh. It was ugly. But with that being said, uh, SDSU is looking very good. They are the only team to give North Dakota State a game at all this year, and that was up in Fargo. They lost 21-17, had, had a lead in the fourth quarter. We're giving it up. So in the playoffs, it's a whole different ballgame in North Dakota State. No one's better at uh, at the playoffs, at, at winning in the playoffs, than North Dakota State is. So... It's certainly not going to be easy at all, but SDSU got to take that first step, beat Duquesne again. Uh, Two o'clock kickoff time, Dana J. Dykehouse Stadium there in Brookings. Defense playing really well, or has played well this year. Offense playing really well, um, so it should should be a, uh, a spirited afternoon here. Hopefully, uh, if no one gets lulled to sleep by the fact that there's not going to be a lot of people there. Anyway, let's take a look at the bracket here. Uh, first round of the playoffs last week, Montana State beat Incarnate Word 35-14. That means they get to face the number one seeded Bison 2 p.m. on Saturday there at the Fargo Dome. James Madison beat Delaware 20-6. By the way, James Madison's coach is leaving, I believe, for Charlotte. Charlotte's an FBS team, but still seems like a step down in my opinion. Uh, so they will take on the 8-seed Colgate. That's at noon. Uh, all these games are on ESPN3. Colgate hosting there. Then on the bottom half of the left side of the bracket, uh, Duquesne last week beat Towson. So Duquesne is playing South Dakota State, 2 p.m. kickoff. And Wofford beat Elon. So Wofford's taking on Kennesaw State, 1 p.m. kickoff there. Um, so we'll, the Jackrabbit fans will know who... The Jacks will be playing before that game is done again, provided that SDSU beats Duquesne, which you can't say for certain, but seems likely. On the right side of the bracket, Nichols State beat San Diego last week, 49-30. Nichols State then will now travel to the three-seed Eastern Washington, 4 p.m. kickoff there. Northern Iowa beat Lamar, 16-13. They will take on the six-seed UC Davis. UC Davis did beat San Jose State, for what it's worth, during... uh, the opening week of the college football season there at San Jose State stinks though at the FBS level in the Mountain West Conference they had one win all year Jackson in the upper half of the right hand part of the bracket Jacksonville State beat Eastern Tennessee State 34-27 they will travel to Maine to take on the seven-seeded Bears and Southeast Missouri State knocked off Stony Brook 28-14 they will take on the two-seed Weber State so there's a look at your games there that one is at 3 p.m. Uh, kickoff there. The uh, main game is at 11 a.m. So a uh, lot of interesting things to look through, but uh, 
at the end of the day, fully expect SDSU to win, and they will be then playing the winner of Kennesaw State and Wofford. They will host if Wofford beats Kennesaw State. If Kennesaw State wins, SDSU will be traveling down to Georgia to to uh, play the Owls there. Looking around, uh, so talk football here. Let's go to basketball. Um, the Jackrabbit men, both the, the men and the women were played in tournaments last week. The men were at the Gulf Coast Challenge in uh, in Florida. They kicked off the or they tipped off the deal by playing Florida Gulf Coast, not related to the tournament, but uh, had a lead. But Mike Dom in foul trouble got uh, like he fouled out in that game, and SDSU wound up losing eighty four to seventy eight. Then the first game of the Gulf Coast Classic again foul trouble for Mike Dom. And they ended up losing to Tulane, 84-80, but wound up winning the final two games of the tournament, beating tennis, uh, University of Texas San Antonio, 99-79, and then beating Colorado State, uh, 78-65. So they, they, the consolation, they were the winners of the consolation bracket for what that's worth, fifth place they took overall. So you're, you're looking at six and two with uh, your four with your two losses by a combined ten points. That's not bad. They crushed Kansas City, uh, the the ruse formerly of the Summit League, on Wednesday, seventy-five to forty-seven. No David Jenkins in that one was nursing a, a leg injury. But now you get into the stretch for the men here, where they take on Northern Iowa on Saturday, neutral site game. But Northern Iowa, a historically good program out of the Missouri Valley. Not as good this year as in previous years, but, I mean, Loyola, Chicago, and Illinois State seem to be the class of that conference there. Tuesday, though, they take on Memphis. Uh, Penny Hardaway, former uh, basketball player with the Orlando Magic and some other teams, but mainly the Orlando Magic, that's who we're focused on. Uh, he's got some good recruits coming in next year. This would be a, a team that I think SDSU can beat, perhaps should beat, with Mike Dom. Uh, by the way, we'll get into where Mike Dom is. 89th, 84th on the list, so he's doing very well thus far. This season climbing up the, the chain to, you know, in terms of all-time leading scorers and getting to the 3,000-point club, he should certainly do that. And then uh, Saturday, December 15th, so a couple weeks from this Saturday, SDSU is at Nevada. The fifth-ranked Wolfpack of Nevada. Should be a great contest there. So definitely some stuff to look forward to. For men's basketball, uh, as the non-conference continues, uh, Mike Dom, as mentioned here, uh, 24, you know, he's averaging a double-double, 24 points, 11.3 uh, rebounds, shooting 50%, has 17 made threes. Love to see him make a few more threes, but uh, so be it. 2,425 uh, points thus far. Let's see more about Dom. Uh see here mm -hmm. anyway there we go uh currently 89th so i was right at the first time 89th on the ncaa's all-time scoring chart he will definitely climb that uh campbell's uh the campbell camels chris clemens is uh is ahead of dom right now but uh it's i mean we're gonna have two three thousand point scores so that's pretty Pretty cool, pretty neat there. Um, so, Mike Dom continuing to dominate as we... I mean, come on, it just writes itself. But SDSU, uh, love love basketball. This is going to be great. 
Great to see them at U.S. Bank Stadium. Maybe they'll be back in April. You never know. Unlikely, but Loyola Chicago made that run last year in the Final Four. So we'll see what happens there. The women played in a tournament in Las Vegas, and they played number four, Baylor. SDSU's arch enemy, Baylor. Remember from that uh, first year that the women were uh, NCAA tournament eligible with uh, Jen Warkentine, and they got kind of screwed by the officials and some free throws. It's shady injury stuff there by Kim uh, uh, Mulkey and, and company there at Baylor. Baylor wound up winning. Uh, that was certainly a... Uh, SDSU's probably best chance they've ever had in their first year to make it to the Sweet 16. They, they'll have others. They, they almost beat uh, Stanford a couple years ago, but fell short. Uh, so that's great there. Uh, the contest with Green Bay. Uh, Drake coming to Brookings. Oregon coming to Brookings on December 12th. And say, okay, it's just Oregon. Oregon's a top five team, and they have this gal who has... Uh, the, like the most triple doubles of all time or like top five she is just outstanding let's see can we get this can we get this it's like Isadala or something I mean she is just outstanding uh Sabrina Ionescu Ionescu so I was not, not even I was kind of close uh Sabrina Ionescu uh Worth the price of admission right there. So number three, Oregon, will be coming to Frost here in a couple weeks. So a lot to be excited about for men's and women's basketball. So uh, the women lost to both Baylor and Buffalo. Two tournament, te two tournament teams from a year ago. So nothing to uh, you know be sad or hang your, hang your hat down on. But uh, you'd like to win some of these games. So that's why games are coming up here against the Green Bays, the Drakes, the Oregons of women's college basketball it's big that they can if they can win some of these games uh, let's see here you got some track going on uh, but yeah though I mean those are your main things that we, you want to cover here of course we'll have plenty more to talk about as the college basketball season rolls on here but want to spend a, a, a nice chunk of time here with um, with Matt Zimmer from the Argus Leader who will be up in just a couple of in just a moment here to go over uh, to talk more about the playoff game and also uh, to talk a little basketball as well here. So and then uh, we'll wrap up with a few other thoughts on the football game, maybe some basketball and uh, look at some wrestling as, as well. So that's all coming up here on the Sports Block Podcast. But coming up now, uh, next here, Matt Zimmer, Argus Leader, talking playoff game on Saturday. More basketball talk, men's and women's side here. Uh, Plenty to get to here on the SDSU Sports Block Pod or the, the Sports Block Podcast, SDSU Jackrabbit Edition, which now is available on iTunes. Just search the Sports Block Podcast. Also follow me on Twitter at Andy Stacken, Facebook, Nathan Stacken. Coming up, Matt Zimmer, Argus Leader, talking SDSU football and basketball here on the Sports Block Podcast, SDSU Jackrabbit Edition. Continuing here on the Sports Block Podcast, SUSU Jackrabbit Edition. Pleased to be joined by Matt Zimmer from the Argus Leader. Matt, how are we doing? Not too bad, Nate. How are you? Doing good, thank you. Uh, first big question. Um, it's very difficult to be in two places on Saturday, so I am guessing you will be at the playoff game in Brookings. Is that correct, or will you be at U.S. Bank Stadium? I will be in Brookings. Uh, TJ asked me last night, he goes, Come to the game, right? And I said, Nope, sorry. The. Uh playoff game takes precedence over a non-conference basketball game so um as much as i'd like to be there because i mean obviously that's a really unique deal 
Uh, and I, I'd really like to go. As soon as they announced it, I was like, oh, that'll be fun. And then I saw the date, and I was like, well, probably not going to be there for that. <laughs> well, I mean, you never know the, if SDSU can make that uh, Loyola Chicago-like run uh, to the Final Four this year. Maybe you'll be able to get to go to uh, a game at U.S. Bank Stadium regardless. Maybe, maybe. Uh, so let's start with the football game here. They, the Jackrabbits play Duquesne. I believe, what, 2 p.m. is the kickoff there. Uh, I have to imagine, it. I mean, it's going to be cold, but the Jackrabbits should win this one fairly easily. But uh, I imagine the crowd is going to be quite sparse. I think it's going to be a really small crowd. Um, not only is it going to be cold, which it has been for the last couple of uh, late-season games they've hosted at Dana J, but um, the forecast calls for a lot of snow. Uh, especially south so i don't know how many people are going to be able to make the trip from sioux falls or or anywhere basically south of brookings um it's you know it's kind of been a problem anyway i mean obviously playoff attendance so far has been disappointing and you get a game that everyone assumes they're going to win easily uh it's going to be on on tv and there's going to be supposedly a blizzard so uh it's going to be a real sparse crowd the jacks are going to have to create their own uh, energy and excitement out on the field. Any concerns, or uh, have you? Has anyone mentioned anything about the sparse crowds from the athletic department, or you know, the the coaching staff at all? Is there? Have they mentioned anything about that? Uh, I haven't really talked to anybody about it this week specifically, um, but you know, like it, the, the crowd for USD obviously is about half of what it normally would have been for a rivalry game, and you know, the last couple of years, uh, Villanova, New Hampshire, those playoff games have not drawn terribly well um it's kind of one of those it is what it is things you know um i think most outside of major league sports uh almost every level of of sports playoff attendance tends to be lower than regular season because people have kind of already made their commitment to the team during the regular season you're asking them to make an additional commitment in the playoffs Mm -hmm. and, and there's exceptions obviously in north dakota state's a big one and they also have a dome yep but you know, it, like I said, it, it's one of those it is what it is things because if if the Jacks are going to be playing in the playoffs every year, and they certainly have gotten to that point now, you're going to be playing in December. You're going to be playing when it's cold. Yep. Uh, any any sort of discussion at all potentially about a roof in the future? I mean, how much of a competitive advantage is that going to get for the Jacks uh, when you have three teams along I-29 that all have dome stadiums? Yeah, that's... <laughs> I haven't asked Justin about that in a while. Um, I I think that the layout or design of the stadium prevents them from putting a roof on it. Um, but I really don't think that's ever going to be ever going to enter into the plans, no matter what. Mm-hmm. I think, for one thing, you know, it, it does suck in November and December when it's cold and there's snow, and you want to get these big crowds for playoff games, and you don't get it. Um, but on the other hand, do you want to give up those beautiful days in September, October, when it's 60, 50 degrees and, you know, the the crisp autumn air and all those cliches we throw out about college football? I mean, right. those, those are great. I mean, that's about my favorite thing in the whole world, and I don't know if I want to give that up uh, just to make sure it's warm for those playoff games in December, especially when, while weather is a factor, there's no guarantee that if this game was being played indoors on Saturday that it would sell out. Right. I mean like I said, I think playoff attendance in general tends to decline just because, you know, people have already bought their season tickets and all those other things. And, and, and TV, I think is a big part of it too. So, um, I think my guess without having talked to Justin Sell, and I probably will at some point, if this continues to be a thing, 
my guess is they're going to say, hey, we're kind of at the in the early stages. We're in the infancy of this new stadium, of, of building this program to a championship level. Eventually, our fans are just going to have to get used to this. This is how we're going to do it. And, uh, you know, one of the concessions, or not concessions, but I guess a, a flip side of it is, okay, maybe you're never going to have 15,000 people there for a playoff game in December. But it can be a competitive advantage, no matter who you're playing, unless you're playing another team that plays in freezing cold weather. Mm-hmm. And who, else, who else would that be in their conference? You know, USD, UNI, NDSU, UND, they're all indoors. Right. It, it's potentially going to be a, a competitive advantage to almost anyone they bring in there in the playoffs. Yep. No, absolutely agree with that there. Uh, looking back at the regular season, a very good regular season considering what the Jackrabbits lost you know, in, in Dallas Goddard and Jake Wenicke, but Taron Christian played well. You had Kay Johnson kind of emerge. Uh, defense played really well. Uh, Pierre Strong Jr., I mean, he, he's been phenomenal here the last few games. What's been your overall impression of the team? And, I mean, is the, are they set up for a long run or like a run to at least the semifinals? Well, it looks like it. I think everyone assumes they're going to win on Saturday, and I think everyone assumes they're going to win in the next round whether they're at home against Wofford or whether they have to go to Kennesaw State, we'll see. Uh, I think Wofford's an underrated team, and I think Kennesaw State's a team that nobody really knows anything about. I mean, they're such a young program, mm-hmm. they a conference that people are a little unsure of. We just have no idea if they're really that good. So I don't know. And obviously, if they do win those two games, then they're probably looking at going back to the Fargo Dome. Uh, I certainly think that's a, 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 a conservative goal, would be to get to Fargo. Um, but, you know, obviously they want to go farther than that. But last year they took another step, made it to the semifinals, which they'd never done before. Obviously the next step is getting to the national championship. And um, that's going to be incredibly difficult because you have to go through Fargo. And this is one of the best Bison teams ever. I mean, they're loaded with seniors, some of the best players in program history. They're undefeated. Um, they've, they've Basically the Jacks are the only team to challenge them this year, really. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, in past years, the Jet, you know, each of the last two seasons, the Jacks faced the possibility of having to beat the Bison twice in one year, uh, and I never liked their chances of doing that. No matter how they matched up, just asking them to beat that team twice in one season seemed like too much to ask. Well, this year they lost, uh, so maybe if, if you, you almost turn the tables a little bit and say, "Hey, it's going to be tough for North Dakota State to beat the Jacks twice in one year." So uh, I think they have what it takes. I mean. Mm-hmm. That- Senior class last year was so good that it was kind of hard to say, okay, they're going to be better this year. No matter how many times the players themselves told you that or the coaches, it, it just didn't make a lot of sense on paper. But most of the things that they talked about as far as, well, this is why we think we can be better, most of those things have come to fruition. The offensive line's a lot better. The running game's a lot better. The defense is better. Taron Christian has proven that he's not just a product of the players around him, that he's the guy who drives the bus on offense. So... Um, I think in particular, the play of the defensive line, the play of the secondary, and what Pierre Strong has brought to the running game, I think that makes this team in particular a little bit more uh, well-rounded and potentially more built uh, for a deep playoff run than any of the teams they've had before, including last year's team. Before I get into the playoffs more, do you think that you know with the way the defense is played and you know the the improved offensive line plays, that's something that can be sustained into next year? Is that what we can anticipate? Yeah, that one more time, kind of cut uh, out. Uh, yep. Uh, with the improved defensive play and the offensive line play, is that something that we could a- anticipate 
headed into next year too with next year's uh, team? Well, they don't have a lot of seniors, so yeah. I mean, uh, really, when you look at this football team, uh, not to disparage the few seniors that they have, but you know, Taron Christian's going to be a huge loss. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jordan Brown's going to be a big loss on defense. Just about everyone else is going to be back. Um, and you alluded to it, offensive and defensive line, I think, has been the big key uh, for this program, kind of taking that next step. They've had great skill players for a long time, basically ever since they went Division One, They have not had difficulty developing really good quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, all the way back to guys like Ryan Berry and Kyle Manette, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but they never were as good um, up front as the Bison, and that was always why they couldn't beat them. Uh, now you see on the offensive line, you know, they lost Jacob Onisorgi and Charlie Harmon. I didn't know what that was going to mean for this group, but they haven't really missed a beat, and they've done it with younger guys. Most of those guys, Tyler Weir will be gone, Tiano Pupangatoa will be gone, and those guys are both all-conference-type dudes. But they lost two all-conference dudes last year and didn't miss a beat, so there's really no reason to think they won't be able to do it again, especially since some of their best recruits in the last few years have been on the offensive line. And then you look on the defensive side of it, Ryan Arath has finally given them, he's turned into that kind of nasty edge pass rusher that they just haven't had since Danny Batten. And then on the inside, Crockett, Kralikowski, uh, Xavier Ward, some of those other guys, it's a pretty deep rotation there. Um, It's the best defensive line I think they've had uh, in the five years I've been covering them. And I would assume that means probably the best one they've had uh, since they've been division one. And when you're that good up front on offense and, and defense, that, changes everything it just makes your whole football team better and i think you as you wrote recently with the success that the team has had this season that you know in building themselves into that national championship contender that's only going to mean better things for recruiting right well i think this um when they got the s jack built and then when the stadium was completed i think they recognized okay we have a window here we have an advantage right now over most of our rivals in recruiting, even maybe North Dakota State. Now, do you have the tradition, the, all the trophies in your case? No. no. Do you have the sellout crowds? No. But you've got a better stadium, you've got a better training facility, and you've got all this shiny new stuff that gives you a chance to make up a lot of ground in a short period of time. That doesn't mean it happens overnight. It's not like, oh, we have a new stadium, we win the national championship next year. But I think the coaching staff really recognized okay, we cannot miss on recruits for the next three, four years because we have this window where we have better facilities than anyone else in FCS football. We have to take advantage of that right now by bringing in the best recruits we've ever had, then hopefully get to the point where you do win a national championship, get to where you're on even playing field with the Bison, then you can start winning some recruiting battles with them and pulling even with them as a program, which is especially important because how long do you think North Dakota State is going to allow SDSU to have better facilities than them. Right, not, not, not long. Not long. Right. They've already, I think they've already approved a plan for a new practice facility. That's going to go up pretty soon. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to move out of the Fargo Dome probably, but I got to imagine they're going to do something to try and spruce that place up because as great as the environment is in there, it kind of feels like playing in a shopping mall too. So um, <laughs> yep. I definitely think that it won't be long before North Dakota State kind of fires their salvo back in the other direction so the jacks have to take advantage of that right now i it might just be me but i think the when north dakota state would improve their stadium or build a new stadium i think that's when they would move up like to d1 to fbs level that's just 
that's just maybe me with with all the success that they've had but uh, we'll see looking at the last four games the the fewest points that the jacks have scored in the game is 38 what is clicking for this offense right now i mentioned pierre strong uh junior earlier uh you know um case john or k johnson i mean this is just a, a phenomenal team but what's really clicked the last month everything really um you know they they haven't punted too many times uh most of the times they didn't score is because they turned the ball over um the running game obviously is the huge difference um you know in the last couple of years the offense is clearly built around jake winicky and dallas goddard um and i don't think you know they went into this year thinking okay we're going to revert back to our Zach Zenner offense because obviously Taron Christian is a really gifted passer and they knew they had some pretty good receivers different than Jake and Dallas obviously not this kind of size uh, but probably more speed and they've done a great job of, of playing to their strengths uh, something I've always said Eric Eisenis is really good at that, that I like that the Jacks don't sort of say okay this is our identity on offense we need to recruit players that fit into it they go out and recruit the best athletes they can find on offense and then design their scheme around them. They've done a great job of that this year. Um, you know, when Isaac Wallace went down, of course that was a blow. He's a really good player and one of the most popular players, people on that team. Mm-hmm. But I think also there was a sense that, well, we've got some young guys here that we think are pretty explosive. Let's see what happens. Obviously, C.J. Wilson showed a lot before he got hurt, but now what Pierre Strong's done over the last month, I mean, he's playing at a Zach Zenner level. And when you have a, a weapon like that, the guy's averaging 12 yards per carry. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's nuts. Ridiculous. There are, oh, there's a lot of receivers that don't average 12 yards per catch. Yeah. And uh, so having that home run threat and how consistent he's been able to consistently, he's been able to, to keep that up. Well, that just makes it that much harder for teams to account for a Cade Johnson or an Adam Anderson. And, you know, Blake Coons is not Dallas Goddard, but he's still a, a, a very uh, legit weapon in their offense so that part of it is still uh, in the game plan so to speak so um and then and then like we mentioned earlier the offensive line play has been really really good uh, so you put all those pieces together and it's it isn't scheme it isn't this guy or that guy it's a total package they mm-hmm. have everything you could want uh, to make a productive offense and it's great to see matt zimmer joining us here on the sports block podcast sdsu jackrabbit edition uh in talking with people up in fargo uh, they are most concerned about the Jackrabbits. Uh, and as you mentioned, the SDSU gave NDSU their only d- really difficult game of the year up at the Fargo Dome in September. Uh, and I think, as you mentioned too, it, it, conspiracy theorists might, I think you would send a tweet on this, that maybe conspiracy theorists out there will say that the NCAA wants a new winner or uh, just making it more difficult for the Bison to get to Frisco. Uh the Bison's road, they'd have to beat either James Madison or Colgate. I think James Madison will win, but with the head coaching news uh, you know, earlier this week and their head coach leaving, now for what, Charlotte? Which, I don't know if that, is that a step down? I don't know. But, uh, I mean, how handicap the odds that uh, that NDSU won't be the team in Frisco. Um, I, I still think if you're a betting man and it's, you know, it's kind of that tiger versus the field thing. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I would always take the Bison, and certainly this year. I mean, there's been a lot of talk that this might be the best team they've ever had, and I think when you look at the personnel, you can make a really good case. I mean, they won it all last year, and everyone is back. I mean, they, they basically have the whole team back from last year's national championship team. Now, granted, the Jacks beat that team pretty soundly in Brookings, uh, and I think in past years when the Bison have won it all, 
whoever the second best team in the country has been, I don't know if that team has been as good as SDSU is this year. Uh, so yeah, I mean, Jacks fans and, and, and coaches even are kind of going, Oh great. They put us on the same side of the bracket as NDSU again. Well, they didn't do it to piss off the Jacks. They did it to piss off the Bison mm-hmm. because everyone recognizes that they're the best team. Um, but I, I, like I said, I, 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 whether you want to call it conspiracy or, or whatever, when you look at how not only the bracket played out, but who was put into the tournament, um, I think it's pretty clear that, that they're trying not that not so much that they want another champion, uh, but they want to do everything they can to make it at least create an opportunity for that to happen. Because I think you can make a good argument that it is bad for FCS football if if the Bison win it again and again. I mean, yep. what if they win? 15 championships in a row, you know, or, I mean, it, at what point does it go, all right, this is why, why pay attention to this level of football? It's one team and nobody else. Exactly. So, so I, I kind of get it, but that doesn't mean Bison fans don't have a right to be pissed off about it too. Right. Uh, with what happened last week, do you think the, the committee got all of the playoff teams correct or should Indiana state have maybe met, uh, gotten in over, you know, another CAA team? Well, the CAA losing all their games is certainly a, a bad look, uh, but I don't even know necessarily if they were the teams that didn't deserve to get in. I thought James Madison deserved a seed. Uh, there, there, there's a few things that were weird. Indiana State, I sure thought belong. I would have put Indiana State in ahead of Northern Iowa just because I thought better story. I, I know the, they both had six Division One wins, but that made more sense to me. They'd won five games in a row coming into the playoffs. Indiana State had. So I don't know about – it's not so much that to me. And to be fair to the committee, I think overall the field this year is pretty weak. Uh, I think there's probably only 15 or so teams in FCS football this year that really belonged in the playoffs, and you've got a 24-team field. So there were going to be some teams at the bottom that you knew weren't very good, and you saw that in the first round. Um, I, I certainly feel bad for Indiana State. What they did this year going from 0-11 to 7-4 and – having a five-game winning streak to end the regular season. Uh, that's certainly unfortunate. Um, and also just the, the Valley only getting three teams. I mean, it's it's hard to say that the Valley deserved more because the records weren't good. Mm-hmm. I mean, Northern Iowa got in at 6-5 and five and no FBS win. That had never happened before. So clearly there's the committee is showing respect to the Valley by putting that team in the tournament, uh, but by not putting in Indiana State or even maybe a 6-5 and five Illinois State team it's clear that anytime this playoff tournament is going to be the shorter it is on Missouri Valley teams, the lesser of a bracket it's going to be. I mean, I don't yep. expect that. I don't expect them to, to ever do this, but you could probably put a four and seven Valley team in the playoff bracket, and there's a good chance they'd win their first round game. Especially if they had to play like a school from the Pioneer League yeah. or the Patriot League. I mean that. The Pioneer League is somewhat of a joke here, but I digress. We'll move from the field uh, and then just have a couple questions here on, on the court here. I'll start with the men's basketball team, 6-2. and two. They've looked really well this year so far. I think they'd probably like to have a couple of those games back against Florida Gulf Coast and Tulane, but you can look at Mike Dom's foul trouble there. What's been your assessment of the team thus far in the early uh, non-conference portion? Uh, they're pretty happy. I think they would have liked to get one of those two. You know, I don't think they would expect to be eight and zero. That'd be maybe pushing it a little bit. Um, but you know, y- you mentioned it. Foul trouble was kind of what what hurt him in both of those losses. And um, overall, Mike's played really well. But I think that's something they're going to have to be mindful of going forward. Is that's obviously something teams are going to try to do is get him in foul trouble and get him off the court. 
And, uh, you know, last night's game against Kansas City, a, a really overmatched Kansas City team. Um, Mike had a good game. David Jenkins was out. Gave him a chance to play their freshman a lot. Uh, and they played pretty well. Um, but I think more importantly, it's, you know, recognizing, especially with Brandon Key gone, you know, you've got these, these three seniors that you know you're going to get a lot from. And David Jenkins is going to, you know, a, a very, very, very good player as a sophomore. But then after that, it's just a bunch of freshmen. So I think TJ is doing everything he can to get these guys as much, not just as much minutes, but minutes together. You know, last night there were times once the game got out of hand that there were five freshmen on the floor because he needs those guys not just to be able to come in and, you know, give the starters a rest for two or three minutes. I mean, one of them is going to have to be on the floor at all times. Mm-hmm. So he really needs those guys to step up. And I think that's kind of been the big I don't want to say the big focus of non-conference, but one of the big themes certainly is getting that second unit, whatever it is, that second half of the rotation uh, prepared so that this, so that this can be. Because let's face it, the Jacks aren't aren't aiming this year for just winning the Summit League tournament. I mean, they have designs mm-hmm. on on going deep, and that's probably going to be the biggest thing holding them back. Is can they rely on a bunch of nineteen-year-olds to get them there? Well, Duke's making it work, but Duke has a little higher caliber of a, a freshman there. I don't think Zion Williamson is walking into Brookings at all anytime soon. Uh, what What is the the reason why Brandon Key's not uh, on the squad this year? Well, there's a lot of rumors out there. Um, the official word or the official what they told me is he's redshirting this year. Well, he's also not on the bench with the team. Um, as far as I can tell, it looks to me like he quit the team. Uh, that he has every intention of grad transferring after this year. Uh, I don't know if that's true. I'm sure you've heard that rumor. Mm-hmm. Um, but based on the fact that he's supposedly redshirting, well, that would mean he's going to come back next year. He's not going to be back next year. What? Where's the plate? Where's there room for him on next year's team with Owen King as a sophomore and Caleb Grill coming in as a true freshman who's going to play right away? Uh, Matthew Mims coming in. Uh, it, he's not going to be on this team next year. So he's gone. Um and that obviously, like I said, you know, he was of, of all the the veteran guys they had on their team, he was the guy they could most afford to lose. Uh, but he still was a senior, uh, an excellent ball handler, a good quarterback of the offense, and a pretty good defender too. Uh, so they're going to miss him. That's made them thinner, and it means guys like Owen King and Alex Arians and some other guys are going to have to contribute a little bit more than they were originally planning on. Three of their next five games are against, I would say, very worthy opponents. Northern Iowa, of course, on Saturday at U.S. Bank Stadium, 8 o'clock tip-off time there. Then they're at Memphis on Tuesday. And then Saturday, December 15th, they're at Nevada. Nevada, of course, being a top-five team and the best of the bunch there. But uh, how are the Jacks going to kind of gauge themselves against these caliber of opponents here coming up over the next couple of weeks? Is Nevada seriously in the top five? Yeah, Nevada's five. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, that's. I, I think I would say, you know, they'd really like to beat Northern Iowa at U.S. Bank and then, you know, maybe win one of those other two. I mean, if Nevada's number five, they're probably not going to win that. Nope. But Memphis, but, I think, is a, is a realistic shot. I mean, they're going to be really good next year. I think they have the number one recruit coming in because uh, the guy was coached by Penny Hardaway in high school. Penny Hardaway's now the head coach of Memphis. But uh, this Memphis team, I think, this year would be a, a team that, they, that the Jacks could beat. Well, and they've won their share of uh, power 
conference games. You know, they that yep. wasn't a terrible Gophers team they beat in Minnesota a couple years ago, and uh, they beat TCU a few years ago, and uh, Alabama, I think, maybe a couple years ago. I mean, they, they've won some, some plenty of those games. And yep, Ole Miss last year. The only, yeah, the only thing that hurts them is with Mike Dom now, and, and their, what is it, however many consecutive tournament appearances, it's a little harder for them to sneak up on teams like that. You know, I think there was a time before where those opponents would go, who the hell is South Dakota State? Right. You know? And then and then all of a sudden they're losing by 15 and it's too late. Well, that's probably not going to happen anymore. These teams are going to know who South Dakota State is coming in there. So uh, if they lose all three, you know, then all of a sudden they're six and five. And that's not good, but it's not the end of the world. You know, mm-hmm. I think they went into this season thinking – Man, if we can get out of our non-conference slate with only three losses, then we have a chance, you know, of maybe a thirty-win regular season, maybe getting, you know, like a ten seed in the tournament, maybe even being in the discussion for an at-large if somehow we don't win the tournament. Uh, I think the two losses they already have make that probably fairly unlikely because, like I said, they're probably going to lose a couple more here in non-conference play. And they could go undefeated in, in Summit League play, but I kind of doubt they will. I'm sure they'll trip up once or twice. Uh, so they're probably looking at, you know, one of those 26-6 and six sort of regular seasons, which is great, but it puts them right back in that, you know, 12-seed area. Yep. If, that, if that's where they're going to be, then it's probably less about the wins and losses at this point in the season than, like I said, getting that uh, second half of the rotation uh, you know, kind of getting their feet underneath them so that they're ready to to be significant contributors once Summit League play starts. Eleven seed would be ideal, but uh, I mean, we'll see what it where it comes to there. And that, possible. Yep. Yep. Uh, and then finally, uh, just on the women's side, quick, uh, they had a tough loss against Baylor. I mean, that was a very close game. They had a chance there, certainly at the end, and then they lose against Buffalo. Three and three so far through six games. Does it get any easier after this with uh, home contests against Green Bay and then? Drake coming up, and as well as Oregon here. Uh, the Jackrabbit women always schedule difficult, and that's great, but at some point you kind of need to break through and win some of these games here. So what what is the the, the status of the team? What, what are they thinking through uh, the early part of the season thus far? It's been a while since I've talked to any of them because they haven't been home for a while. But, um, you know, I think they feel pretty good. I mean, they, they've looked they, – they got their butts kicked in their first game of the year. Mm-hmm. And they look pretty good since then. You know, like you mentioned, even the, the losses on their last trip, uh, I don't think they necessarily gave a bad accounting of themselves. No. Um, the interesting thing is, you know, the last couple of years, they've played these really difficult non-conference schedules, and they've won some of them, but not a, a, a ton of them. You know, usually they're they're maybe winning half of those games, and they still, last year, they would have got an at-large bid if they hadn't won the tournament. There, could, there would have been two Summit League teams. Uh, and they, and like I said, they had you know what eight losses or whatever it was. Uh, I think the same thing. I think they've just kind of gotten to that point. And now this year, their their non conference schedule is once again going to be, I think, sufficient to have their RPI or whatever they're using now. Um, the, maybe the net. I don't know if they are they using the net for the women. No, that's a good question. But um, whatever it is, uh, I think they're going to be in position to do that, especially. USD beat Iowa State last night, you know, 23rd ranked team in the country. Mm-hmm. So it's shaping up. They're clearly, I kind of thought with some of the defections they had that they'd take a step back. It doesn't look like they're going to. Uh, so the Sun League, again, is probably going to be a, a very heated two team race between those two. And obviously it'll come down to that championship game once again. But 
it'll be very interesting to see if both of these teams now have built up enough of a resume in non-conference. Obviously, USD's schedule overall isn't quite as tough as the Jacks is, but you have that win over a, a ranked team in your pocket. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they could both be setting themselves up to where maybe it doesn't matter so much who wins that uh, Summer League Championship game because maybe the other one is going to be going to the tournament regardless. Yeah, it'll be fascinating to see. We have a lot of time here to go through it all and see what happens. Uh, Matt, I always appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Uh, enjoy the game on uh, – enjoy the blizzard on Saturday. Enjoy the playoff game, and uh, I'm sure we'll be talking uh, very soon. Thank you, Matt. You bet, Nate. See ya. Matt Zimmer, Argus leader. Appreciate his time and perspective, as always. On everything SDSU, you can find it all. Argus leader. Uh, uh, find all that stuff there. He does a great job. Uh, paper, you know, videos, whatever you need to, the chats. Matt Zimmer's got it for you there. So, yeah, big week here, SDSU. Uh, really a big few weeks with the, the playoff game, of course, this week against Duquesne. We presume that, that the Jackrabbits are going to win. I can't imagine they would lose to Duquesne. But then you play Wofford or you play Kennesaw State. Yeah, yeah, and then a trip, a likely trip up to Fargo, unless Fargo or the Bison... Maybe they trip up against Colgate or James Madison. Not thinking that's very likely either. But then for basketball, a lot of uh, big teams coming uh, either to Frost on the women's side or, you know, it's like, men, they're going to play, play Northern Iowa this week at the U.S. Bank Classic there in Minneapolis at U.S. Bank Stadium. And then you have some contests against Memphis and, of course, top five, at least currently, top five Nevada. Sure going to be fun there. Uh, we'll wrap up this week's edition, though, of the Sports Block Podcast with a few other thoughts um, as we uh, yeah, as we wrap up this week's edition. This edition. We don't do weekly ones anymore. Life gets hectic. Life gets busy. I have some final thoughts here on this edition of the Sports Block Podcast, SDSU Jackrabbit Edition. All right, and we'll wrap up this uh, this edition of the Sports Block Podcast, SDSU Jackrabbit Football, or... SDSU Jackrabbit Edition. A few more other thoughts on football. Uh, first, uh, just to mention wrestling here. Uh, they are str- bit of a down, uh, struggle to the beginning of the season. 0-3 thus far. They've played some pretty good teams, though. Uh, Arizona State, Oklahoma State, and Minnesota. Uh, they're at the Buena Vista Open this Saturday, 9 a.m. there at Storm Lake, Iowa. Next Friday, they're at Oklahoma. Then on December 16th at Oregon State. So a tough slate ahead, but uh, hopefully the, the wrestling team can rebound and recover there nicely. Uh, let's see what else. So we know we had talked about cross-country last time. You know what? Rod DeHaven named Coach of the Year. That's not a surprise. Top 15 in NCAA all-region performances for the men, uh, men's and women's cross-country teams. Uh, in Peoria at the at the beginning of November, November 9th, Rachel King led the women, finishing 19th overall to garner an award. Uh, the second Jack uh, Rabbit woman ever to earn NCAA All-Region accolades, which started in 2010. Emily uh, Dana, Dana in 2016, and then King in 17 and 18. Kyle Burdick led the men uh, in route to his best place finish at the meet, uh, placing 15th. He helped uh, SDSU earn the honor for the fourth year in a row. While garnering his second consecutive personally, uh, SDSU has 
Had a few other guys, Michael Krisnak in 2010, Trent Lusingyong in 2013 and 15, and Joel Reichow in 2015-16. Burdick did it in 17 and now 18. So congrats to the men's and the women's cross-country team. Another stellar year. Rod DeHaven and company, they do a great job. This is certainly a squad to look at. Now, finally, let's get to the, uh, the football here. Jackrabbits, 2 p.m. kickoff against Duquesne, Dana J. Dykow Stadium. Go out there, support the team if you can. I know it's going to be a cold day, uh, but team needs you to uh, rally up some support here. Uh, they should beat Duquesne, and then after that, it's just a, we'll, we'll wait and see. Are, will SDSU be hosting Wofford, or will they be at Kennesaw State? Taron Christian, as long as he you know doesn't turn the ball over, SDSU should be just fine. Uh, this game, I really don't see. I think SDSU wins by minimum, minimum 21 points. But I would expect that they're going to put at least 30 on the board. Uh, we'll go 34-14 Jackrabbits over Duquesne. Just you never know with snow and stuff and whatnot. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, I expect all the seeded teams to win except for maybe Kennesaw State, who obviously SDSU would play next week. Uh, they play. They host Wofford. And then I do think that there's a chance. I, no, I, out of all the teams, all out of all the seeded teams this week, James Madison has the best chance to knock off, or the the the, the team the the, the seeded team that has the best chance to get knocked off. I think is Colgate, the eight seed, against JMU. JM, uh, James Madison in the championship game each of the last two years. They're one and one. They lost to the Bison last year. Won the year before against Youngstown State. I just don't know what's going to happen, uh, what, how they'll respond with the coaching news and whatnot, but I do know that this is a very good team. They've had a uh, bit of a rocky season, but they can right the ship here in the playoffs, so I expect James Madison to beat Colgate, so we'll see what happens there. And then the U.S. Bank Classic on Saturday for men's basketball, uh, Friday night as well, there's stuff going on. If you have a chance, if you're in the cities or whatnot, Get some tickets. Go go to these games. It's going to be phenomenal, and it gives you a preview of the Final Four, which, by the way, me and Travis Krins will be at at the Final Four this year, in case you didn't know that. You should. We're going to mention it every week on the normal Sports Block podcast. But anyway, uh, it's it's going to be a lot of fun. I, th- I think SDSU is going to win uh, their game. I, that Drake-North Dakota State game, I'll probably give it to North Dakota State. Give the edge there. Minnesota-Oklahoma State should be a very good game, and the Wisconsin schools fun as well so should be a festive environment there for sure so uh definitely if you're in the area see if you can get some tickets for that should be a fun fun couple of days there of basketball at u.s bank stadium the women they are they have green bay you know playing green bay um they they have drake coming up chattanooga oregon that's the big one coming up so a lot to get into a lot to be excited about basketball season it's it's here folks and we'll be covering it extensively, if not on the Jackrabbit podcast, for sure on the regular Sports Block podcast. But we'll have a few more as the basketball season rolls on. Again, um, thank you to Matt Zimmer from the Argus Leader for joining me to, to talk about the the playoff game. And then also some basketball talk in there as well. You can find this podcast available on iTunes. Just search the Sports Block uh, podcast. Also, follow me on Twitter at Andy Stacken, Facebook Nathan Stacken. Have a link to the podcast posted later part of each week. Uh, for sure, it'll be up by Saturday. Um, so, uh, thank you for listening to this uh, edition of the Sports Block Podcast, SDSU Jackrabbit Edition. Stay tuned. Keep keep checking the old Twitter machine. Uh, keep checking the Facebook. There, you never know when another episode will come up. But uh, uh, 
good luck to the football team as the playoffs begin. Good luck to the basketball teams as well. And uh, we'll be back at some point here to break it all down more. Maybe next week, maybe two weeks. Who knows? Uh, we'll try and find time, though, and for sure talk about more football and certainly more basketball. So uh, thank you again to Matt Zimmer from the Argus Leader. And we, as always, we end with a go big, go blue, go Jacks. Talk to you next time here on the Sports Block Podcast, SDSU Jackrabbit Edition. Good luck to the football team. Great basketball. Go big, go blue, go Jacks.